From Schwartz Media, I'm Osman Faruqi. This is 7am. Thirty years ago, Australia held a royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. That commission found that Aboriginal people had never been treated as equals in Australia and that the relationship between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people was conducted on the basis of inequality and control. Three decades on, most of the Royal Commission's recommendations still haven't been implemented, and hundreds more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have died in custody. Today, activist and academic Gary Foley on what led to the Royal Commission being held and why white Australia needs to face up to its own history. Gary, today marks 30 years since the findings into Australia's only Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody were handed down. But can you tell me how that Royal Commission actually came about? What were the events leading up to it? Well, the 1980s were a very eventful decade in terms of uh, political action by Aboriginal people. 1982 saw major uh, Aboriginal demonstrations at the Commonwealth Games in Brisbane. The fact that so many blacks came together and, and the fact that our children took part, the fact that there was no violence and how the black community... And uh, they had quite an impact both uh, locally but more importantly in terms of international coverage of what was going on in Australia. We exposed the government, the hysteria they generated early in the year about the threat of violence. So when um, Bob Hawke became Prime Minister, he was very conscious of uh, just how effective Aboriginal campaigning could be to such an extent that he loudly pronounced upon becoming Prime Minister that his government would deliver, and I quote, national uniform land rights legislation. But it's terribly important, I think, not just for the Aborigines, but it's just as important for the uh, the non-Aboriginal population. But the dodgy bodgy Bob Hawke did a double backflip and suddenly stopped talking about national uniform land rights legislation. That resulted in a great deal of anger in the Aboriginal community and major demonstrations were planned by Aboriginal activists to disrupt the 1988 Bicentennial. The Aboriginal people are in a position to embarrass Australia severely during the Bicentennial celebrations and he's hoping to try and shut us up. We're going to embarrass the Australian government. Something shocking. And there had been for the previous five or eight years growing pressure on the issue of Indigenous deaths in custody, um, which had reached a a fairly high number by uh, the lead-up to 1988. The Aboriginals of Robin in Western Australia's Iron Country are burying another of their dead, John Pat. John Pat was one of the uh, high-profile, if you like, or highly publicised cases that um, had contributed uh, significantly towards the push for a royal commission. Pat was bashed and kicked in a brawl with police outside the Robin pub. He was drunk and 16. 
So Bob Hawke, in an attempt to appease Aboriginal activists and in an attempt to defuse potential uh, demonstrations of the bicentennial, he announced a royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Although numerous coronial inquests have to date found no evidence of foul play, Prime Minister Bob Hawke ordered a royal commission into the deaths that have occurred this year. The important thing about the Royal Commission is that it was uh, born of political expediency in the first instance, and it wasn't something that uh, Bob Hawke would have done otherwise. But uh, such was the number of deaths, such was the growing intensity of Aboriginal campaigning, that uh, he was forced into it. Okay, so the Royal Commission was called in 1987. Can you tell me where you were at the time and what your involvement in the Commission was? At the time the Royal Commission was announced, um, I met the first appointed Royal Commissioner, Justice Jim Muirhead, in Adelaide because at the time I was doing a report in Aboriginal Health in South Australia for the South Australian Health Minister and I'd encountered uh, Jim Muirhead in Adelaide as he was in the process of setting up the Royal Commission itself and I... I said to him at the time, have you made suitable arrangements for Aboriginal voices to be heard? And he gave me an assurance that he had. He said he'd set up a uh, research unit that would be looking at all issues. And I asked him if I could talk to the head of the research unit and he said, sure. I had a chat to him. I said, uh, how many Aboriginal people on it? And he gave me this funny look and sheepishly said to me, we've got a black South African. So I went back to Jim Muirhead and pointed out to him that um, he needed to create mechanisms for Aboriginal people to have their say in this uh, Royal Commission. And he got me to go around the country and help establish local um, Aboriginal uh, advisory committees to the Commission that would provide a means by which Aboriginal people could get their voice heard. So right from the beginning, there were flaws in the commission itself. Right. So it was a flawed process. And you argue that it was also set up for pretty cynical political reasons. But you did help facilitate Aboriginal voices into the discussion. So what did the Royal Commission actually find? Well, one of the primary findings of the Royal Commission was that uh, Aboriginal people were dying in custody back then, not at a greater rate and white people are dying in prisons. It's just that there were so many Aboriginal people in prison at the time. Aboriginal people back then had one of the highest imprisonment rates in the world, you know. And the Royal Commission said that a primary reason for the imprisonment rates of Aboriginal people wasn't because Aboriginal people were any more criminal than anyone else, but because of the deeply entrenched and embedded racism in the Australian criminal justice system from your prison officer and police officer all the way up to the High Court. Now, that deeply embedded racism is just as strong as it ever was. It's still there. It remains a significant part of the reason why so many Aboriginal people are now in jail. Still, there are more Aboriginal people in prison today than there were at the time of the Royal Commission. So it is pretty obvious and clear that Australian society didn't give a rat's ass and still don't. 
We'll be right back. As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody warned that far too many Aborigines were being locked up. 20 years on from that, Indigenous imprisonment rates have more than doubled. Next week will be 30 years since the landmark Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody was handed down. It came about after the deaths of at least 99 Indigenous people over a nine-year period in the 1980s. But since then, at least 450 more have died, including five people in just the last Last month. Now we've got over 400 deaths since that Royal Commission and we have 30 years that have passed that have not addressed the underlying issues that give rise to people being taken into custody and consequently dying in custody. Gary, we're now 30 years on from when the recommendations of the Royal Commission were first handed down but the imprisonment rate of Aboriginal people, the number of deaths in custody, they're still as bad now as they were back then. So can you tell me what exactly the Royal Commission recommended and how state and federal governments responded? Well, there were 300 recommendations. Most of them, or many of them, designed to uh, try and find ways to prevent Aboriginal people being incarcerated at the rates that they were. Now... Even in the end result of the Royal Commission, there were bizarre inequities. Uh, Like, there were 300 recommendations, but uh, when it came to major government grants that were dished out in the aftermath of the Royal Commission, one of the great ironies is that uh, the first beneficiaries of these major government grants in Victoria were, in fact, the Victoria Police and Victorian prison officers who were given... 300,000 bucks or something like that, to, uh, I think the term was, sensitise them to Indigenous issues. Wow. You know, things like creating uh, hang-proof cells and bizarre ideas like that. And within a year or so, every state government claimed or announced that they had fulfilled uh, the relevant recommendations in their state. Now, if the states had done that then or even now, then how is it that we've got a situation that was worse than back then? And I put it to you folks that it has to do with the deeply embedded and deeply entrenched white supremacist racism that has pervaded this country since it became a country, Australia. 
Australia became Australia in order to be a last bastion of white supremacy. Hence, the first uh, act of the first parliament of Australia was the white Australia policy designed to keep non-white people out. Gary, so much of what you've been talking to me about today, whether it's the the organisations that were formed or the changes that were forced through, seem to have come off the back of really big social activist movements in the 70s and the 80s. And I think throughout the 90s and the 2000s, we saw a lot of that dissipate. Last year, we saw the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement in Australia. Do you see that as a new groundswell? Does that remind you of what happened back then? I said on Invasion Day that I see I see clear parallels between the sort of things that were going on locally and globally back in the late 60s and early 70s in Australia and what's going on now locally and globally. More than a 1,000 protesters have rallied in Melbourne calling for an end to black deaths in custody. Flanked by police, hundreds of Black Lives Matter supporters slowly snake their way through the city. These young um, war mobs, the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance in Melbourne, uh, are regularly pulling uh, around or over 100,000 people onto the streets in Melbourne in support of them against uh, Australia Day on Invasion Day. A crowd refusing to mark the National Day, instead commemorating what they call Invasion Day. This is our day of mourning, not a day of celebration. The global issue now is Black Lives Matter. And uh, Australians may not realise it, but in places like America and Europe, the issues raised by the global Black Lives Matter movement have filtered down, right down to levels in society that you wouldn't have heard of, you know. Even little local hockey clubs in Michigan in America are sort of facing up to and coming to terms with and debating and arguing issues of race, history and politics. Now, that doesn't seem to have hit Australia yet, but it is coming, you know. The reckoning is coming. Australia uh, needs to face up to these issues and one can only hope, I've got very little hope in royal commissions or commissions anymore, but one can only hope that this truth and reconciliation or justice, whatever commission is they're setting up in Victoria may provide opportunities to start the, de- the debate that is so necessary. Mm. And, you know, you just said that you don't have a lot of faith in these sort of bureaucratic commission processes. There are calls from some people that, given how little action there's been over the past three decades, there should be another Royal Commission looking at black deaths in custody. What do you think about that? I think it would be a waste of time. I think that... Uh the issues that need to be resolved first is Australia coming to terms with itself and its own past and history and making amends, reparations, you know. None of this Mickey Mouse native title rubbish that was a fraud from beginning to end. None of these um, little, you know, chicken shit grants handed out now and then that we're supposed to feel um, grateful for. I mean, reparations. I mean, in the 1930s, the Communist Party of Australia had um, the strongest uh, manifesto on Aboriginal rights in the history of Australia. They advocated the handing back the greater part of Australia to the Aboriginal people to be run by the Aboriginal people uh, with their own police force, their own army, if possible, their own navy, but uh, to have genuine self-determination, genuine control of their own affairs, genuine benefits from whatever economic interests are derived from the land, if any, you know. So, you know, 
there was a time uh, when people had a better comprehension and analysis and understanding of what the real needs of Aboriginal people were. Australia remains the only um, former British colony that whose uh, original Indigenous inhabitants have no genuine land rights whatsoever, let alone, you know, self-determination. Until such time as Australians face up to the truth of their own history, the truth of the uh, ideas that were born with eugenics and evolved into the protection policies in the apartheid system in Australia, until they inform themselves about the truth of the history of this country, there can be no beginning because until until Australians are prepared to uh, look honestly at the past and without guilt or any sort of other illogical response and think clearly and understand the manner in which settler colonialism has fucked over Aboriginal people to, to such an extent that they have in this society today, you know. Australians still show not the slightest sign of even beginning to comprehend this, let alone come to terms with it and deal with it. Gary, thanks so much for talking to me today. No worries. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today, Prime Minister Scott Morrison has refused to apologise to the former Australia Post CEO, Christine Holgate, who has accused him of bullying her out of a job. Last October, Scott Morrison said he was appalled by Holgate's actions after she gifted four employees at Australia Post Cartier watches. Morrison says he regrets the distress caused by his strong language, but dismissed suggestions his comments ended her career. Meanwhile, Morrison has confirmed he will meet with former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins to discuss the range of issues that she's raised with his office. I'm Osman Faruqi, and I'm very excited to say that Ruby Jones will be back in the chair tomorrow. See you next time.